0: This is Sean Mandoli, and I'm the pastor of Sanctuary LA, and you're listening to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this message encourages and inspires you. Remember to follow us on social media at My Sanctuary LA, and enjoy the message. I've got a friend. I'm going to preach in just a moment. I've got a friend, amen. His name is Tony. Tony is paralyzed from his neck down. When Tony gives me a call and says, hey, man, I want to come get you for breakfast. When he says, I'm going to come get you, I know that Tony's not coming to get me. But when Tony says, I'm coming to get you, Tony is coming to get me. When he says, hey, man, we're going to go to a concert. I bought you a ticket. I want to come pick you up and take you to a concert. When he says that, I know that Tony is not necessarily the one that's going to get behind the wheel of a car and come get me. But what happens is that when Tony says, I'm going to come get you, there's another friend of mine. His name is Albert. We call him Nooney. In order for Tony to have the life that Tony lives, in order for Tony to be able to say, I'm on my way to get you, in order for Tony to say, hey, man, I bought you a ticket and I'm on, because he doesn't have hands. He has hands, but he doesn't have hands that work. He doesn't have feet that work, legs that work. But in order for Tony to have a life, Noonie, my friend Albert, has to give up his And I recognize in order for ministry to be effective, not impressive, but to be effective, somebody has to give up some of the things that they want to do, wish to do, where they want to go, what they want to do today. I know that there was prayer on yesterday. Someone did not do what they wanted to do in order to be here, to call the name of the Lord so that God can speak breakthrough and cause a crack to come into the walls of Hopeland so that God could be present in a place like this. And not just to speak to our lives, but to speak to the lives of those whose names we have called, amen. And so I salute you. I give God praise for you. Will you put your hands together, amen, and help me simply celebrate this team. In the book of Joshua, amen, I'm going to begin at chapter 1, verse 1. Years ago, amen, uh, uh, sticking with the theme, amen, years ago, years ago, uh, my pastor, I oftentimes mention my pastor. I served up under this guy by the name of Pastor Charles Lawless for 20 years. I got saved at his church. I was chasing Sheila Farmer. That was her name at the time. And then, you know, I put some juice on it and made her name Thompson, amen, and so, Uh, uh, I was chasing after her. She would go to prayer meetings and all of that stuff. I wasn't saved. I was smoking dope, looking out for the bull, drinking Hennessy, all of that crazy stuff. At 16 and 15 and 14, my life was just kind of crazy. She, uh, we, 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 we started dating and seeing each other and became exclusive. And and uh, she fooled around and went to a church. Her heart won right, and she gave her life to the Lord, Amen. And then she came back telling me that she's saved and we can't do what we've been doing, and she needs to go to church. And so instead of me going to her house to hang out on a Friday night, she went to a Friday night youth service and then came back even more on fire, Amen. It reminded me that we can't do this and we can't do that. I'm saved. I love the Lord. Man, it totally turned my life around. And the thing was, is that I thought that I was supposed to be the dude that leads her, but she was the young lady that led me. I am saved today because of her influence. And I need somebody in the room to understand, man, that your influence is effective. Your influence is powerful and people may be against you and turn against you and may not like you and think, man, what is all that stuff? You're going down to the church on a Sunday and you've been here on on Saturday and then you show back up on a Sunday. I need you to know, man, that God is doing something in you and through you. God is for you. God is working through you. And one of the things after becoming saved, one of the major things that I wanted God to do in my life, Nathaniel, is I wanted God to use me. My pastor used to always preach, God, use me or kill me. And I'm thinking, what? I don't really understand that kind of theology or philosophy. But what he was saying is that, God, if you don't put your hands on me, if you don't use me, if you don't get the glory out of my life, then what is my life? even for being saved. It's not just to miss hell when I die, but it's really about God using me and getting the glory out of my life. I'm convinced, amen, that every move that you see that speaks to God, it always happened through a man. Amen. Moments, momentums, uh, 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 things that happen. God always used a man to do his bidding, to do his work. Moses was a move of God. Joshua was a move of God. Elijah was a move of God. Paul was a move of God. Amen. When they talked about how uh, uh, the, the the world was being turned upside down, it was because of disciples that have committed their lives to God. And they're, 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 the commentary concerning them is that these are men that are turning the world upside down. God was moving, but God was moving through men. God, you are the man. You are the woman that God chooses to use in this generation. I need you to know, amen, if, if you may feel a little bit of pressure, you yeah, 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 you should feel some pressure. The reason why you should feel some pressure is because there's a dying world that needs what's in your mouth. There's a dying world that does not need empty hands, but need hands that can be laid upon the sick and they recover, amen. There is a dying world, amen, that just needs somebody that will be an influence, somebody that will be a voice, somebody will say, somebody that will say, God, I know that I'm not much. I, I know that I'm not much. I've got issues. I've got dramas. I've got traumas. I, I know that I stumble and I stagger and I fall, but God, if you can use me, Here I am. Send me. And so that's all that God is saying. God is just saying, I just need somebody that I can step into. He just simply needs a body. That's all that he needs. Moses, here's your body, Moses. I just want to step. Even when Jesus came, he came in the flesh. God just said, I just simply need a body. And I need some room to know that you are that body. You are somebody. And I tell people all the time, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody that saves anybody. I'm just a body. You are just a body. And I dare you to step right where you are and just give God a praise for looking down on you. And he's ready to use you. He's ready to bust a move. Well, somebody shout, bust a move then, God. Here I am. Use me and send me. Here I am. Pastor Lawless. One night, we he was preaching. He uh, Thursday nights were the nights that we got together for uh, him preaching midweek service. After he was a he was he was a hands-on kind of preacher, and so he he mingled with the folk. Amen. He was sort of like Jesus. Jesus mingled with people. He didn't just preach a message and then go into the green room. Green room and hope that you're okay afterwards. You know he he came out and he mingled with people. Pastor lalas had that people kind of ministry. One night, a man after preaching, he goes out to a car, a man and somebody's battery wouldn't start, and so he says, "Hey, uh, flip the hood up." He flips the hood up and he looks and gets he gets a flashlight and he looks into the battery. And when he looks into the battery, the battery explodes in his face. They rushed him to emergency, and then, uh, you know, he, he, he survived it. He got a lot of acid all over his face, burns in his eye. On Sunday morning, this was a Thursday night, on a Sunday morning, I walk into his office, and I said, hey, Pastor Lawless, are you preaching? He's got a patch on his eye. He's got bandage underneath the patch. And I said, Pastor, are you preaching this morning? He says, oh, yeah, John. Oh, yeah, I'm preaching. I'm preaching. I can only see out of one eye, and I got a patch on the other, but I'm preaching. He said, he said this to me, and I never forgot it. I live with this statement. He says, he says, John, if the devil knows that he can cause something to blow up in your face and it will stop you, he said the devil will cause something to blow up in your face all the time. That was a learning moment for me. That was a teaching moment for me. Because there's going to be those times that you walk with God and things are not going to be okay. There are gonna be those times that you walk with God and everything is not going to look like what it said and what it promised. But you can't stop and you won't stop because there is a hand in your back that's pushing you into your purpose, pushing you into the very purpose of God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I I just wanna check the room for a minute. Is there anybody that said, man, I felt like giving up? Pastor Johnny. Just this week, I went through some things that were difficult, that were trying. I went through some trial, Pastor Johnny, and I can't tell everybody what I went through because if I tell everybody what I went through, they're going to think that I'm not saved. They're going to think that I don't believe. But man, there were some things that knocked all the wind out of me. But when I caught my breath, when I caught my breath, I got back up and got myself together and said, for God, I'm going to live and for God, I'm going to die. Why is that? Because I cannot stop. I will not stop. Even if I drop, I've got to get back up and fulfill the purpose and plans of God in my life. And I've discovered that you cannot do that in your own strength. You cannot do that in your own ability. You cannot do that in your own capacity. You really need God. Uh, Oh, folk used to sing a song, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now. Because right now I need you, my Savior. I come to, to thee because they understood and recognized their need for God. Anybody here because you need more of who he is. <laughs> let's get into this word, amen. Let me look at my time because I want to do this right, amen. In the book of Joshua, let's, let's, let's walk through this. Joshua 1 and 1. In alignment with your theme, I can't stop and won't stop. Verse 1 says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua. Now, let me begin by saying this, that the book of Joshua begins at a time of shifting. It is a shifting of seasons. It is a transitional Uh, season. It is a season for transfer. That speaks to Hopeland, doesn't it? It's a season of transfer. There's a transfer that's going on, amen, not just naturally, but also spiritually, not just the preaching of a transfer, but prophetically, there is a transfer that's going on within the walls of this ministry, and you are a part of that transition and that transfer. And it happens right after the death of Moses. Now, the book of Joshua begins with tension in the text. And of course, I I I, I may use some, some, some theological terms, amen, but there's tension in the text. And all that that means is that there's something that's going on. It starts off with the death of Moses. It doesn't start off with a celebration. It doesn't start off with balloons. It doesn't start off with streamers. It doesn't start off with confetti. It really starts at a very difficult, challenging time. It begins right after the death of Moses. And so somebody say tension. Somebody said with power, tension. There's tension in the text, and, and there's always going to be tension before there is a testimony. And so, I need to encourage somebody right there because somebody's experiencing some tension. Somebody's experiencing some things that are extremely uncomfortable, or you're stepping into some things that are not as comfortable as it has been before. But before the testimony, there's always going to be tension. Before God delivers you from the hands of Pharaoh Moses, you're gonna have to stand before him. But before he lets you go, he's He's going to make it very hard for you. There's going to be tension. Before you get through your fast, Jesus, Satan is going to show up and try to get you to eat something, try to get you to really recognize, are you really the son of God? There's always going to be some tension. But I also came to let somebody know that in the midst of your tension, God is about to give you a testimony. Somebody say amen. And I understand because I get it. Amen. I'm flesh and blood just like you are. Amen. I know what it's Like, amen, to have tension in my life. I know what it's like, amen, to say, God, I don't want the tension. God, will you give me favor without frustration? Will you give me promotion without problems? Will you give me a testimony without tension? Give me a testimony without trial. Give me a testimony that does not include any testing. I get it. God, give me double, but don't give me the difficult with it. God, give me celebration, but I don't want the challenge. God, change me, but don't make me commit to it. God, anoint me, but anoint me without agitation. Anoint me without being annoyed. Anybody feel like you're anointed, but I'm annoyed at the same time? I just want to know if there's anybody in the room. I'm anointed, but God, I don't want to be annoyed. In other words, God, I want your royalty, but I don't want your carpentry. He was first a carpenter. He had to work before he stepped into his place of ministry, and so work goes with it. In other words, you can't have a crown unless there first be a cross. I remember back in the old school days, they would say, "Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free?" No, there's a cross for everyone, and there is a cross for me. But what I love about God is that when there is a test or or the tension in your life, there's always a word. And so the word says that after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that God spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. And so after the death of Moses, now notice if you pay attention to your word, it says after the death of Moses, comma, comma, after the death of Moses, comma, Never put a period where God puts a comma because comma says that there's more to come. Comma says that this is not over. You mean the death of Moses? No, period. Comma. That means that there's more to come. I just need to speak to somebody in the room to let you know, man, that there's more to come. The reason why the devil couldn't stop you, couldn't block you, couldn't hinder you. The reason why something hit your life so hard and you're still here with your hands lifted up and your mouth filled with praise. The reason why you're in the presence of the Lord, bowing in his presence is because most of the people, amen, that understand what it means to praise God, they also understand what it means to endure problems, what it means to endure affliction, what it means, amen, to have a good day and a bad day and to understand that God is God of both of them. But I came to tell somebody that even though you may be going through moments of tension, God still has a word. Let me just stop right here and right now and praise God that even when I've gone through uh, there's always been a promise it may not look like it it may not feel like it sometimes amen I'm reading the word and I'm hearing what God has said of me what he has spoken of me and none of my life looks like what he said but I thank God that he's a man he's not a man the word says that he should lie if he said it he's going to do it if he spoke it it's going to come to pass and I dare you to put a praise on it if somebody's in the room going through time of tension, and you understand that in the middle of it all, there is a word from the Lord. And so after the death of Moses, the Lord speaks to Joshua. The Lord speaks to Joshua, and this is what he says. He says, Moses, my servant is dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about don't stop, can't stop. Moses, my servant is dead. Now, notice there's no eulogy. There's no memorial service. Now, the Bible says that Moses was a friend of God. But here we are. He was such a friend with God that God says that when I speak to Moses, I speak to him face to face. That's the kind of relationship they had. But when Moses dies, there's no funeral service. There's no memorial service. There's no viewing. All that God steps onto the scene and says is that Moses is dead. Say what? no celebration ceremony, there's no, there's no wake, there's no viewing, there's no nothing. He just simply steps in and says, Moses, my servant, is dead. This speaks to the first point that I have. The goal of God is always movement. Movement. The goal of God is always movement. What does that mean? That means that our God is a moving God, that our God is a moving God. The Spirit of God is a moving Spirit. In fact, if you read the book of Genesis, the first time that you hear of the Spirit, it says, and the Spirit moved upon the waters. Our God is a moving God. Those of us that are sitting still saying, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to move anything. I'm not going to touch anything. I'm not going to church. I'm not going to prayer. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Amen. That's totally opposite who God is and what God does. God is a moving spirit. Anybody in the room, amen, you know that you're not where you used to be and the reason why you're not where you used to be is because God is a moving spirit. Anybody know, amen, that it's not just that you're not where you used to be, you're not where you're going to be because God is not finished with you yet. He is a moving spirit. Some of you are moving in prayer right now and I need you to know that even if you're moving in prayer, there's some things in your life that are about to move. There's some strongholds in your life that are about to move there's some struggles in your life that are about to move your God is a moving God and he just waits to see you and the Bible says that listen there is a voice of God that speaks to him and he speaks to him and he says listen I am getting ready to bust a move will somebody shout bust a move then God bust a move he is a moving spirit He is a moving God and he wants to move in your life. He wants to move in your heart. He wants to move in your house. He wants to move in this house, but you got to give yourself to whatever it is that God wants to do next. And so instead of saying, God, these are the things that I want to do next. This is what I want to do next. And I think that you should have plans, but it's to sit your plans down because the first thing that I did before the year even broke in, I started writing things down that I wanted to, to see happen in my life. The first thing that I wrote down was growth because I want to be able to grow. And I understand that growth absolutely doesn't mean that I just gonna get in my word and just understand Greek and Hebrew. It means that whatever God is going to do in my life, whatever challenge that He's going to bring, whatever way He's going to cause me to grow, I want to grow. And that may mean that He may put me in a position where I need patience. Have you ever asked God for patience? Anybody asking God for patience right now? Anybody in the room? Yeah, I see a couple of hands. Amen. And the in the next of you, amen, before the year is out, you'll be asking God for patience. Amen. But I understand that when you ask God for patience, God does not just give you patience. He doesn't just say, here, here, boom, that's yours, bam, go ahead and take that. What he does is he allows you to get in a situation that absolutely scratches your nerves so that he can teach you how to take a deep breath teach you how to step back and take your hands off of it. To teach you that you don't manage God. Anybody ever read the scripture, amen, in the Old Testament when David brings back the Ark of the Covenant and they put it uh, 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 upon a cart and the muse are carrying it. And as the muse are carrying the cart, number one that wasn't the way they were supposed to carry it in the first place. But the cart begins to tilt over. There's a man that was next to the cart and what he was doing was he was going to help God out. He was going to help God out and save the cart so he pushed it. the bible says that when he put his hands on the cart that the man died and i'm tripping a little bit the reason i'm tripping miss jennifer is because i'm trying to understand that he was just helping And what God is saying is that I do not need your hand to help me. I don't need you to manage me. I don't need you to try to manage your year. I need you to let me be God. Let me tell you what it is that I need you to do. Let me put my hand in your back. And all that I really need from you is a yes. If I say I need you to go left, I just need you to say yes. If I say I need you to go right, I just need you to go right. If I tell you to mind your mouth, I need you to shut up and mind your mouth because I'm God. I don't need you to get in the middle of this and jack all of this stuff up by thinking you're helping me. Uh, Let God be God and let everything else be still. We can't manage God. Our position is to get before him and say, God, manage me. Let me be sensitive to your word and to your voice. And so Moses, my servant, is dead, and so now I need to talk to somebody, and I need to turn to the thing that's about to happen next. And like I said, God uses men. God uses women. Amen. God uses everything from prostitutes to prophets. God doesn't care. He just needs somebody that's going to say, here I am. What do you want from me? And he will use you. Amen. Anybody in the room needs to be used or wants to be used of God, I just want to check the room. I just want to check the room to make sure. Let me deal with this as quick as I possibly can. I'm getting there. And so, because he is a moving God that will not stop and won't stop, and because he wants to move in our lives, move in our house, move in our house, move in our heart, he wants to bust a move in our lives. And uh, he 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 passes on the eulogy. He doesn't stand there and give Moses his props. He just tells Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. And again, the goal of God is always movement. And so, what 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 I what what I started asking God is why is it that you didn't give him a proper eulogy? Why is it that you didn't speak to everybody and say who he was and, and how you had a friendship with him? How come you didn't have any dialogue with the people so that they can so that they can be lifted? And, and and the Lord said something to me, and I wrote it down. When God speaks to me, I tend to write it down because perhaps what God was doing by passing up the eulogy is because he wanted people to understand the importance of focus, the importance of, of not sticking to the things that pertain. To your history as important as they are, and miss your destiny. He doesn't want you to cling to a bad past. He doesn't want you to cling to things that mean nothing to you anymore. What I mean by that, they're not a part of your destiny. He doesn't want you to cling to things. See, have you ever listened to, and maybe it's just me because I know you guys are more anointed than I am. Have you ever been driving down and the record comes on, amen, uh, uh, or song comes on on the radio and it makes you think about Bruce? I'm sorry. It makes you think about, amen, Janet. It makes makes you think about Gabe. It makes you think about Julio. It makes you think about dude that you used to date, girl that you used to date, and it makes you remember when you were on the beach and Smokey Robinson was saying, turn the lights down low. Baby, come close. Put your hand in mine. Oh, please be kind. Let me touch your heart. Oh, let the fire start When you listen to that stuff, it takes you back. And God says that I don't want you to be attached to your past. I don't want you to be attached to your history. And so sometimes I need to shift your focus. And so the reason why he's not spending a whole lot of time trying to help people to understand how important Moses was is because God is shifting. When people mourn, when people mourn, they are often cautious to move. And so God is saying, I don't want you sitting around here mourning. I need movement. And so I don't know who that word is for, but God is saying that you have mourned long enough, but now it's time to move. You have mourned over your past long enough, now it's time. Time to move. You mourn over your pain long enough. Now it's time to move. You mourn over things that you had no control over. Now it's time to move. I see in sense that God is stirring faith in somebody in the room. Somebody that's saying, "Yeah, that's exactly what I needed to know." Because even though we, 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 man, we go through things. I know what it's like to go through things. I know what it's like to bury my mother. I know what it's like to walk into the room and she is completely gone. I know what it's like, amen, to gain strength and stand over her and preach her eulogy. I know what it's like, amen. My, my brother, who is two years older than I am, uh, our birthdays are on the same date. We were like twins. He died a, a, a year ago this month. I know what it's like to walk into the house and see his dead body in a bed, but I know what it's like to also stand over him and to declare a eulogy over his life. And so I get it. I understand that we go through things that are difficult, that are challenging, but God says, I don't need you to stand over their bodies and mourn. I need you to do what you got to do and keep it moving because the rest is yet to come. The best is yet to come. I'm not finished with your life. And if you spend your time mourning, it's going to hinder my movement in your life. Somebody shout, move. Because if you stay where you are, you won't go where you need to go. Look at somebody and just tell them you gotta get up and go. You gotta get up and go. You gotta get up and go. It's difficult to move forward. It's difficult to move forward. It's difficult to move forward when you are grieving the things that were behind you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I talking to anybody in the room? Because God doesn't want your focus on your morning, He wants your focus to be set on your moving because God is getting ready to do something in 2020 and he doesn't want you to be attached to your past. God's getting ready to do something in 2020 and he doesn't want you to be holding on and holding on to the leg. Amen. I know what it's like. Amen. I remember one of my one of my sons one time we were playing and I said, I got to go. Daddy, no, daddy, don't go. They had my leg. Daddy, don't go. You can't do that in, in this season of your life. You can't hold on to the things that had you bound. There is a door that's open, man, and I got to get out the door. And I remember I remember thinking as my son was holding my leg, daddy don't go, daddy don't go to work. I kept saying, man, I got to go to work. Daddy got to go to work. If, if, if daddy don't go to work, you don't eat. Uh, and I was thinking to myself, man, I got to get to the door. If I can just get to the door and get in the car and turn the ignition on and get on my way. And I'm talking to somebody in the room, you got to get rid of the thing that's holding onto your leg and get through the door. Because at the door, there is things, opportunities, and things that God wants to do in your life. Somebody say, get to the door. Got to get to the door, man. And so the first point that I make is the goal of God is always movement. Somebody say, move. You've got to let it go and move on. Verse two says this. He says, "Uh, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. He says, now, therefore, arise. He's saying, go over, go over. God is not an undertaker. God is an overtaker. God wants to take you over. I don't care what you have been up under. I don't care what the burden has been. I don't care where your life has been because, listen, I'm a a dude, amen. I grew up without a father, but when I became a father, I realized that that's no excuse for me not to be a good one. I, I, I grew up in a broken home, but that... That made me realize even the more I don't have to give an excuse that the rest of my life, when I don't get things right, I'm going to blame it on a broken home. I realized, man, that this is my life, and I felt like this. Even if my daddy wasn't there, that doesn't mean that I can't be a good dad. If if I came from a broken family, and my mom had to do it the best that she knew how, and tried to put everything together, and tried to make things happen, no matter what it happened, if I'm here, I'm here. I need somebody in the room to know that if you're here, you're here. If you're here, it doesn't matter what you came from, and I know that I can preach that, and I can say that, but I say it, and I preach it with conviction, because out of my own life I had to go through some challenges and I had to break some curses and and I had to stop some patterns that were going on in my life because my mind was not to be a good preacher my mind was to be a good father to be a good dad and best because I did not have that it didn't mean that I cannot have it now and I came to tell the devil that came in the room today to let you know that you got to stop and you can't go further and because your heart is broken and you're emotionally erect, all of that may be true but but what I love about God is that no matter where you are, God has the next thing for you. The next thing is the best thing. You may be the you may not necessarily feel like you're the head, but he tells you that you're not the tail, you are above only and not beneath. In other words, what God is saying is that you're not the tail light, you're the headlight. And if you see me in where you are going, you're going to get to your destiny. No weapon formed against you will prosper. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. If God be for you, who can be against you? Will somebody put a praise on it? You are going somewhere. God does not hold you to your past. And so you've got to learn how to move forward. And so he says, listen, get up and go. Right in the middle of an emotional breakdown because Moses was everything that they've ever known. He was the one that brought them out. And if you've ever had somebody in your life, man, that, man, they bless you. Anybody got somebody in your life that they just bless you? Man, when I pastored a church in Montclair, there, there was a woman, her name was Brenda Stewart. Every time I saw Brenda Stewart walk through the door, the scripture that came to my mind, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because every time that she would come, man, her sleeve would be rolled up and she was ready to work. She was ready to encourage somebody. She was ready to pray somebody through her. Amen. If we had an altar call, she was laying her hands on somebody's back. She was always somebody that came into the room and was ready to serve and ready to break bread and ready to break chains and bondage. She was always somebody that came in. Amen. You have to have people in your life, amen, that when they come in, you're feeling blessed, man, because they're there. Have you ever staggered? Have you ever stumbled? Have you ever had just a week, uh, a week Season in the things of the Lord, man, and you're just trying, but here comes somebody, man, and they just remind you who you are. They tell you that you're more than a conqueror. They tell you that no weapon formed against you will prosper. And all of a sudden, you start feeling your muscles just starting, your spiritual muscles just starting to flex. And they tell you that, listen, you're more than that. You're better than that. You're greater than that. The greater one is in you. You need somebody around you that's gonna speak into your life. I, 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 I don't spend a lot of time on the phone talking to people that every time I talk to them They're always discouraged. They always have a bad news report. They're always talking about what Trump is doing, what Trump is not doing, what God is not doing. I'm weak. I need money. I don't need, have no favor. Every time I turn around, something happens. I need somebody in my life that says, I don't care what's going on. Listen, God is not an undertaker. God is an overtaker. And you need to understand that God is not taking you under. If you serve the God that I serve, he's taking you over. Somebody shout over. God is taking us over. And so he steps into Joshua's life and said, it's time for shifting. I'm not stopping. Moses might be dead. Some things may not be like they used to be, but I'm still about to bust a move. I'm still about to move this thing forward. And so he steps in, which brings me to my next point. He's discouraged. He's emotional. The heart of God's people are broken. They're uncomfortable. They're uncertain about what their future looks like. And then God steps in and says, "Okay, Joshua, I need you to calm everything down because I'm not done. I am not done. I am not done. One of the scriptures that my pastor would oftentimes preach is that the living have hope. I don't care how much wind has been knocked out of you. If you're still breathing, baby, it means it's still on. It means that it's not over. It means that there is a comma, that there is something next that is about to go down. And so when things are not compliant, God still requires commitment, And so even though their hearts were broken, even though it was a difficult season, even though they were facing something that they never faced before, even though things were not nice, things were not just smooth, everything is not going to be smooth. Everything, there's going to be some tough terrain. There's going to be, even as God's calling this ministry, amen, to take over, God's calling this ministry, amen, that hope is here in the Bull Heights area. Even though God is calling hope to be, be here. There's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some grain that we're going to have to challenge. But God told Joshua that, listen, I just need you to know that I'm moving you forward and I need you to know that I'm with you. I need hope to understand that God is with you and that nothing is going to be able to stop you. Somebody needs to give God a praise right there on that, amen, because God is about to do some things. And so here's Joshua. He's still bleeding. And even while he's bleeding, God says, but I need you to lead While you bleed, things are uncomfortable, but I still need you to show up at church. Things are not the way you want it to be, but I still need you to get on your knees and pray. Things are not as smooth as you want it to be, but I still need you to put your forehead on the carpet and stick your butt in the air and call on my name. Because things are about to happen and things are about to move. It doesn't have to be comfortable. I have discovered in 40 years of marriage, it wasn't the times of celebration that strengthened us. It was the difficult times. When we said, we're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let the devil destroy that. When we said, hey, listen, we're going to bind that devil over our kids. We're going through something right now. We're going through a difficult time right now, but we're going to be okay. We got all the wind knocked out of us, but we're going to stay together. We're going to stick together. There are going to be those times, amen, when everything is not going to be easy. When it's not easy, God is still looking for a commitment. And we've got to stay commitment. The goal of God is movement, when things are uncomfortable, God still requires commitment. The last thing that I want to say is that, listen, he says in verse 3, every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, that have I given you, that have I given you, amen. Every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, that he speaks to territory. He speaks to territory. Hopeland, you're about to take some territory. I just need to stop right there and let you guys go ahead and put a praise on it. Let, let me say it again. Hope, you are getting ready to take territory. Hope, Land, you are getting ready to take territory. I need somebody to put a praise on that because even though you are sitting here right now on a Sunday morning, I need you to put a post-dated praise on that. What does that mean, Pastor Johnny? That means uh, that I'm going to praise God right now for the territory. He can give it to us later, but I'm going to put a praise on it right now. Hope, Land, will you put your hands together and give God a praise because you are getting ready to take territory look out boy heights hope is coming hope has arrived god is about to bust the move and hope is in the very center of what god is about to do i dare you to put a praise on that right here right now hope has arrived somebody shout "Hope." hope has arrived Now give God a thunderous praise. Come on, hope land has arrived. He said, every place that the sole of your feet shall tread, I have given you that territory. And I noticed, amen, sometimes when I come, Sister Jennifer will have her shoes off. Amen, amen. My daughter said to me just the other day, she was talking to me and my wife. She says, you know, when I was a teenager, When people would pray over me and prophesy over me, she says, Dad, I remember. And she was reminding us. She said, I remember when they would bow down and they would put their hands on my feet when they would pray for me. And she said, I recognize two things. She says, when they were praying for my feet. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And so when they were praying for my feet, they were praying for two things. They were asking God to guide my feet. Because it's critical in this day that you are walking in the place that God wants you to walk. That you don't go to the left, that you don't go to the right, but you go forward in the things that God is leading. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. She said they were praying that God would guide my feet, but she said they were always also praying that God would guard my feet. Because when God puts me into certain places of territory, he needs to keep me while I'm there. He needs to protect me because I'm going to step into, yeah, 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 I hear you, God, because Hopeland is going to step into places of territory that may be unfamiliar to them simply because God says that I'm getting ready to move you strategically into a place that I've not moved you before, and it's going to require that your feet and your faith come together because it's going to be your feet that follow your faith, and your faith and your feet are going to take you into territory that's unchallenged, Chartered, but I need you to understand that every place that the sole of your feet shall tread, I have given that to you. That belongs to you. That's that's yours. And you gotta know that when you step into the thing that God has called you to do, when you step into the thing that God has called you to do, it's going to be uncomfortable, it's not going to look familiar, it's not going to be common. But when you step into the thing that God has called you to do, God needs somebody in the room to know that he is going to guide your feet, and he is going to guard your feet. And that means that no matter what comes against you, you're guarded. That means that no matter what enemy comes, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Havnites, the Shilites, I don't care who it is, whoever comes, he says that I'm guarding your feet. In other words, where's MC Hammer when you need him? He said you'll step out, but they will not be able to touch you. Can't touch this. I need Hopeland to understand that God is getting ready to take you into places that you've not seen before. He's going to guard your feet. And it also means stepping into it, pressing into it. Stepping into it. Pressing into it. He says this. He says, verse 6, Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people you're going to divide an inheritance. This place is going to be filled with people that are going to come into their place of inheritance. Simply because there was somebody that stepped out and stepped in and heard God and said that we are the hope of this generation and this territory that we're sitting on has been given to us. I just want to know, man, are there any soldiers in the room that are hearing the commandment of God in your spirit even as I'm preaching it? Oh, yeah. See, because you think that God's raising up volunteers, but what God's really doing in the Spirit is raising up soldiers, raising up disciples that are going to bust a move and hear God, obey God, and not just is it going to be effective for this community and this church, but somebody's house is about to be flipped upside down. Somebody has been struggling with some things, and God is saying, all that I am asking of you is to give me a yes, and once you give me a yes, the things that you have been trying to do in your own strength. I am going to bust that move and turn that thing around. I am the Lord that healeth thee. God says that I'm going to do it. Amen. And I am convinced, amen. Listen to me. And I'm not attacking nobody because that's not what I do. I use the pulpit to pull people up from the pit. But I am convinced, amen, that when Jesus said a thing, the people that received it, the people that experienced what he said were those that responded to what he said. And so I really do believe that when God says a thing, we have to learn how to put a praise on it. We have to learn how to say, let it be as you have decreed. When we say it, we're saying, amen, amen, I mean, I mean. Jesus is the only one that before he even says what he has to say, he will amen himself twice. He will say, amen, amen, and then say what he's got to say. And we've got to learn how to say, amen, amen, and then put a praise on what he said that he's about to do is there anybody in the room don't have no cute praise don't have no cool praise you're gonna clap your hands oh ye people and shout unto the lord for what he is about to do he is about to give you territory he's about to give you territory and i know sometimes amen you just kind of feel cute because you got your best shoes on Amen. And I get all that. Amen. But you're going to have to learn how to press into the next thing that God has for you. It's going to require a press. Man, I get up at 4.30 in the morning, sometimes earlier than that. I've learned to get up out of my bed whenever God wakes me up. I can be at work at, have to be at work at 6.30. God will wake me up at 2.30 in the morning. And I'll sit up knowing i got to be at work at 6.30. But I'll spend time with God because I don't know what all that means. And sometimes I'm sleepy. Sometimes I'm tired, sometimes I'm agitated, but I know that I'm hearing God. And I don't know necessarily what all of that means because he doesn't have to tell me he's God. But I do know that he is calling me to a place of obedience. And I believe that if the devil can stop you now, he'll stop you later. And so if he stops you from getting up when God's calling you, he'll stop you later. If he stops you from changing your heart, changing your mind, changing your steps, changing the order of things, getting in the word, he knows that if I can stop you now, I'm going to stop what God wants to do in your life later. And so what does that mean? That means that you have to learn how to press. into the things of God in your life. It's going to be a press. But I want somebody in the room to know that your pressing is going to pay off. Can I have just three more minutes and then I'm out of your way? I know what it's like to go to the doctor and the doctor looks at my back and Because I'm in excruciating pain, I can't even bend over the sink to brush my teeth. I'm in so much pain. I go to the doctor, and the doctor says that your discs are misaligned. They've shifted. You need emergency surgery. I'm going to submit for you to have emergency surgery. I know what it's like to leave that doctor's office, and as a pastor, preaching every every week, multiple times a week, to get up, and my pain... And, and my back is in excruciating pain, excruciating pain. I can barely get out of my car to walk into the church. I would walk like this. And I would sit down on the front just waiting for my time to preach. And when I would get up, all the pain would go away. I'd get up leaping and jumping. The minute I'd stop preaching, I'd go back to my seat. And immediately the pain just screams. Pressing pays off. The doctor never saw the inside of my back, saw the x rays, but there's never been a knife on my back. There's never been any surgery. I'm talking about me. I believe that the reason why God healed me as I went is because I pressed into what he said, and I pressed, and I believe in doctors, and I believe that doctor. But as I was preaching, as I was moving, as I was serving the Lord, my pressing paid off. I never had to have surgery. I never had to have surgery. I never had to have surgery. All of a sudden, man, I just got up one morning and I didn't feel the pain in my back anymore. But God reminded me that it was your pressing that paid off. Your pressing pays off. I'll never forget, amen, my daughter. My daughter uh, was diagnosed with cancer. We took her to the doctor. The doctor says, listen, you've got cancer. And we were going through with that thing, man. We were praying and we were asking God, God, what are you going to do? What what do we do with this? My daughter kept showing up and would lead praise and worship. She would sing songs like, what a moment he has brought me to. Such a moment uh, uh, I found in you. You're the healer. You make all things new. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. And she would stand up. Every Bible study, she would press her way with the the thought in her mind that I've got cancer, the thought in her mind that will I die with cancer, the thought in her mind that I've seen God heal cancer. And she would just keep pressing, and I would pick her up. Amen. She was a college student, I'd pick her up and bring her to Bible study. Dad, bring me to Bible study. Dad, pick me up. Dad. And I watched her keep going. I watched her keep pressing. We took her to the doctor months later, and they examined her again. They found no cancer because pressing pays off. So God tells Joshua, be, cur- be encouraged. He said, because there's going to be some times where there's going to, you're going to need comfort and you're going to need courage. And there's going to be those times that you will not get either one of them. But even though what matter the day may bring, I still need you to press into me, press into the things that I've said, press into my promise. With pain in my body, I pressed into the promise of God. God has given this ministry a promise. And I know that I preach long. I'm a long-winded preacher. I used to apologize for it. I don't anymore. Amen. Because I'm convinced, amen, that there's a reason God wakes me up at three. There's a reason why God won't let me go to bed. There's a reason why. Because we've got to obey God. And I'm also convinced, amen, that it's going to be those of us that press into the things of God that we're going to experience who he is what he said and every promise this year. Thank you for listening to the message. If you've been encouraged and inspired, give us a great review and share it with a friend today. Also, if you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our powerful weekend gatherings. For more info and directions, follow us at My Sanctuary LA. Be blessed.